0: Chapter 54 of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lover. Chapter 54 The End Tears have gone over, and once more, for it is the last time, we come back to the old castle in the west. Beside the estuary of the killeries, neglect and ruin have made heavy inroads on it. The battlements of the great tower have fallen. Of the windows, the stormy winds of the Atlantic have only left the stone mullions. The terrace is cumbered with loose stones and fallen masonry. Not a trace of the garden remains, save in the chance presence of some flowering plant or shrub, half choked by weeds and wearing out a sad existence in uncared-for solitude the entrance gate is closely barred and fastened but a low portal in a side wing lies open entering by which we can view the dreary desolation within the apartments once inhabited by lord glencore are all dismantled and empty the wind and the rain sweep at will along the vaulted corridors and through the deep arched chambers of the damp discolored walls and ceilings large patches litter the floors with fragments of stucco and carved architraves one small chamber on the ground floor maintains a habitable aspect here a bed and a few articles of furniture some kitchen utensils and a little bookshelf are all neatly and orderly arranged show that someone calls this a home sad and lonely enough is it not a sound to break the weary stillness save the deep roar of the heavy sea not a living voice save the wild shrill cry of the osprey as he soars above the barren cliffs it is winter and what desolation can be deeper or gloomier the sea-scent mists wrap the mountains and even the lull itself in their vapory shroud the cold thin rain falls unceasingly a cheerless damp and heavy atmosphere dwells even within doors and the gray half-light gives a shadowy indistinctiveness even to objects at hand disposing the mind to sad and dreary imaginings in a deep straw chair beside the turf fire sits a very old man With a large square volume upon his knee dwarfed by nature and shrunken by years there is something of almost goblin resemblance in the bright luster of his dark eyes in the rapid motions of his lips as he reads to himself half aloud the almost wild energy of his features has survived the wear and tear of time and old as he is there is about him a dash of vigor that seems to defy age poor billy Traynor is now upwards of eighty but his faculties are clear his memory unclouded and like moses his eye not dimmed the three chronicles of loduner in which he is reading is the history of the Glen Chors, and contains amongst its family records many curious predictions and prophecies the heirs of that ancient house were from time immemorable this spot of fortune enduring vicissitudes without end no reverses seemed too heavy to rally from no depth of evil fate too deep for them to extricate themselves involved in difficulties innumerable engaged in plots conspiracies luckless undertakings abortive enterprises still they contrived to survive all around them and come out with indeed ruined fortunes and beggared estate but still with life and with what is next to life itself an unconquerable energy of character it was in the encouragement of these gifts that billy now sought for what cheered the last declining days of his solitary life his lord as he ever called him had been for years and years away in a distant colony living under another name dwelling amongst the rough settlers of the wild remote track a few brief lines at long intervals were the only tidings that assured billy he was yet living and yet they were enough to convince him coupled with the hereditary traits of his house that some one day or other he would come back again to resume his proud place and the noble name of his ancestors more than once it had been the fate of the glencores to see the hearth cold and the roof-tree blackened and billy now muttered the lines of an old chronicle where such a destiny was now bewailed where are the voices whispering low of lovers side by side and where the haughty dames Who swept thy terraces in pride? Where is the wild and joyous mirth That drowned the Atlantic's roar? Making the rafters ring again With welcome to Glencore And where's the step of belted night That strode the massive floor? And where's the laugh of Lady Bright We used to hear of yore The hound that bayed the prancing steed impatient at the door may bide the time for many a year they'll never see Glencore. and then he came back after all lord hugo and was taken prisoner at Ormond by cromwell and was sentenced to death said billy sentenced to death but never shot nobody knew why or will ever know after years and years of exile he came back and was at the court of charles but never liked. They say dangerous. That's exactly the word dangerous. He started up from his reverie and taking his stick issued from the room. The mist was beginning to rise and he took his way towards the shore of the Loe through the wet and tangled grass. It was a long and toilsome walk for one so old as he, but he went manfully onward and at last reached the little jetty where the boats from the main line were wont to put in all was cheerless and leaden-hued over the wide waste of water a surging swell swept heavily along but not a sail was to be seen far across the low he could descry the harbour of Lenin, where the boats were at anchor and see the lazy smoke as it slowly rose in the thick atmosphere seated on a stone at the water's edge Billy watched long and patiently his eyes turning at times towards the bleak mountain road which for miles was visible at last with a weary sigh he arose and muttering he won't come to-day turned back again to his lonely home to this hour he lives and waits the coming of glencore the end end of chapter fifty four end of the fortunes of glencore by charles James Lever